0: Hello, and welcome to the final reports on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 23. In this episode, we continue chapter 6, Be There, Will Be Wild. Reading this portion of the report is Holly Petrago. So, without further ado, let's continue.
1: Chapter 6.6, Friends of Stone. As explained above, a constellation of far-right characters came together in late 2020 as part of the Stop the Steel cause. Among them was Roger Stone, a right-wing political operative whose career as a self-trumpeted dirty trickster stretched back decades. Stone is arguably President Trump's oldest political advisor. For example... He worked for Donald Trump's independent presidential bid during the 2000 campaign. In addition to his political connections, Stone cultivated relationships with far-right extremists, including the two groups charged with seditious conspiracy, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. The select committee found that at least seven members of the Oath Keepers provided security for Stone, or were seen with him in the weeks immediately preceding the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Text messages released by Edward Vallejo, an oathkeeper charged with seditious conspiracy and other crimes, show that Stuart Rhodes and Kelly Meggs discussed providing security for Stone. Some of these oathkeepers guarded Stone during an event at Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C. on the night of January 5th. Stone was also flanked by oath keepers outside of the Willard Hotel on the morning of January 6th. One of the oath keepers who provided security for Stone was Joshua James, who pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy, obstruction of Congress, and other charges in March 2022. James was also reportedly seen in Stone's hotel room at the Willard hours before the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Stone has a long-standing, close relationship with the Proud Boys. Stone has taken the Proud Boys' oath and repeatedly defended the group. Danish documentarians filmed him working with Proud Boys for years. In one scene, filmed in 2019, Stone warmly greets Joe Biggs, a Proud Boys leader central to the Capitol violence. Stone says of Biggs, My guy right here. In a 2019 court case, Stone identified Enrique Tarrio as one of his volunteers, explaining that Tarrio had access to his phone and could post to Stone's Instagram account from it. As mentioned above, Stone, Tarrio, and another Proud Boy leader, Ethan Nordine, addressed an impromptu rally in Washington, D.C. on the night of December 11, 2020. Owen Schroyer, an InfoWars host, was also with them. We will fight to the bitter end for an honest count of the 2020 election, Stone told the crowd. Never give up, never quit, never surrender, and fight for America. A few weeks later, on January 2, 2021, Tario led a Proud Boys protest outside of Senator Marco Rubio's home in Florida. The Proud Boys wanted to convince Rubio to vote against certification of the vote on January 6th. Stone reportedly called into the event to speak to Tario's crowd. One way in which Stone maintained these contacts was through a signal chat group named FOS, or Friends of Stone. Two days after the election, Stone sent a text. We provide information several times a day, so please monitor the FOS feed so you can act in a timely fashion. Ali, Alexander, and Stone continued to coordinate about Stop the steel strategy and events between the election and January 6th. In addition to Alexander, Stone's friends on the signal chat included Rhodes and Tario. In July 2020, President Trump granted Stone clemency after he was convicted of lying to Congress and other charges. Then, on December 23rd, President Trump pardoned Stone. Several days later, at a dinner on the evening of December 27th, Stone thanked President Trump. In a post on Parlor, Stone wrote that he thanked President Trump in person tonight for pardoning me, and also recommended to the President that he appoint a special counsel to stop those who are attempting to steal the 2020 election through voter fraud. Stone also wrote that he wanted to ensure that Donald Trump continues as our president. Finally, he added, hashtag stop the steal and hashtag Roger Stone did nothing wrong. The select committee has learned that Stone discussed the January 6th event with the president, likely at this same dinner on December 27th. The president told Stone he was thinking of speaking. The select committee sought to question Roger Stone about his relationships with President Trump and far right extremists, as well as other issues. During his deposition, Stone invoked his Fifth Amendment right nearly 90 times. Stone has publicly stated that he committed no wrongdoing and that he encouraged a peaceful protest. Chapter 6.7. White Nationalists. The Capitol siege was fucking awesome. Nick Fuentes is an online provocateur who leads a white nationalist movement known as America First, or the Gripers. Fuentes immediately responded to President Trump's Be Wild tweet. On December 19, 2020, Fuentes wrote on Twitter, I will return to Washington, D.C. to rally for President Trump on January 6th. Fuentes and his Gripers did return to Washington, D.C. for the joint session. As the attack was underway, Fuentes incited followers from his perch immediately outside of the U.S. Capitol. Some of his followers joined the attack inside, with one even sitting in Vice President Pence's seat on the Senate dais. Fuentes and a fellow GRIPER leader, Patrick Casey, rose to prominence in 2017 after rallying at the Charlottesville Unite the Right event. For years, the GRIPERS have repeatedly promoted white supremacist and Christian nationalist beliefs, often cloaked in wink-and-nod humor, puns, or religion, and they regularly gin up public opposition to other right-wing organizations were politicians whom they deem insufficiently conservative fuentes was a key voice for stop the steel conspiracy theories leading up to january 6th he spent two months leading rallies in state capitals across the country spreading the big lie and live streaming coded calls to violence he also used his live stream to raise significant funds between november 2020 and january 2021 on November 9, 2020, Fuentes promised, Groypers are going to stop this coup. Two days later, Fuentes organized a Stop the Steal rally at the Michigan State Capitol. He told the crowd that they should be more feral in their tactics to overturn the election, suggesting that they target lawmakers in their homes. On November 14th, Fuentes rallied a crowd of his followers at the Million MAGA March in Washington, D.C., pushing Stop the steel conspiracies, calling for President Trump to rule for life and exhorting his followers to storm every state capitol until January 20, 2021, until President Trump is inaugurated for four more years. As discussed above, Fuentes was a prominent figure at the Stop the Steel rally in Atlanta, Georgia, in November 2020. He promoted election conspiracies, criticized the Republican Party, joked about the Holocaust, and denounced former Vice President Biden as illegitimate. Fuentes also suggested his followers intimidate politicians in their homes. On December 12th, Fuentes again rallied a crowd of supporters at the Stop the Steel events in Washington, D.C., calling for the destruction of the Republican Party because it had failed to overturn the election. As others spoke at the Jericho March rally, Fuentes headlined a Stop the Steel protest just a few blocks away. On January 4th, Fuentes suggested that his followers kill state legislators who don't support efforts to overturn the 2020 election. As discussed in Chapter 2, President Trump and his surrogates were pressuring state legislators at the time to do just that. Fuentes complained that his side had no leverage. Fuentes then asked, What can you and I do to a state legislator besides kill them? He then quickly added, Although we should not do that, I am not advising that, but I mean, what else can you do, right? On January 5th, Casey advertised the marches in Washington, D.C. on his Telegram channel and provided repeated updates on the logistics of getting into the city. Casey also spoke to his followers about the next day's rally on a live stream on DLive. As discussed in Chapter 8, the Groypers clearly played a role in the January 6th attack. They even planted their flag in the inner chambers of the U.S. Capitol. Fuentes crowed about the attack the day after, tweeting, The Capitol siege was fucking awesome, and I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. In another tweet on January 7th, Fuentes wrote, For a brief time yesterday, the U.S. Capitol was once again occupied by the American people, before the regime wrested back control. Despite his boasts on Twitter, Fuentes exercised his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination and refused to provide information about his organizing activities to the select committee. Chapter 6.8 The Three Percenters, Hashtag Occupy Congress The Oath Keepers were not the only anti-government extremists who viewed President Trump's December 19th tweet as a call to arms. Militias around the country were similarly inspired to act. People were retweeting it right and left. I saw people retweeting it, talking about it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, going to be a huge crowd, Michael Lee Wells, a militia leader in North Carolina, told the Select Committee. Members of militias known as the Three Percenters were electrified. The 3%ers believe that 3% of American colonists successfully overthrew the British during the American Revolution. This is not true. Far more than a tiny fraction of the colonial population fought in or supported the Revolutionary War. Regardless, this ahistorical belief has become an organizing myth for militias around modern-day America. As with the Oath Keepers, many three-percenters have turned against the U.S. government such that they equate it with the British monarchy and believe it should be overthrown. The movement does not have one centralized hierarchy. Instead, semi-autonomous branches organize and run themselves. The three-percenter cause was growing prior to the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Jeremy Liggett, a militia leader in Florida, told the select committee it was trendy in far-right circles to identify with the three-percenter movement in the months leading up to january 6th president trump tapped into this well of anti-government extremism the president's repeated insistence that the election had been stolen resonated with militia members who were already inclined to believe in shady political conspiracies the president's december 19th tweet mobilized 3%ers around the country. Suddenly, they had a focal point for their anti-government beliefs. The joint session of Congress on January 6th. Court filings and other evidence reveal that 3%ers immediately began planning for violence after President Trump's be wild announcement. For example, Lucas Denny and Donald Hazard led a militia affiliated with the three-percenter movement called the Patriot Boys of North Texas. Both Denny and Hazard were charged with assaulting officers on January 6th. Denny pleaded guilty and has been sentenced to 52 months in prison. After President Trump's tweet, they discussed travel plans, as well as the need to procure body armor, helmets, knuckle gloves, and pepper spray but they did not plan to act alone. Instead, they saw themselves as part of a coalition. In multiple messages, both Denny and Hazard claimed they were also affiliated with Proud Boys and intended to work with them on or before January 6th. Denny repeatedly cited President Trump's tweet. Trump himself is calling for a big protest in D.C. on January 6th. I'm not going to miss this one. Denny told Hazard on December twenty-first. On December thirtieth, Denny wrote in a Facebook message, Trump has called this himself, for everyone to come. It's the day the Electoral College is supposed to be certified by Congress to officially elect Biden, but Pence is in charge of this, and he's going to throw out all the votes from states that were proved to have fraud. There's so much more going on behind the scenes, though. That's why he's called this rally for support. Trump will stay president. As this message indicates, Denny was well aware of President Trump's multi-part plan to disrupt the transfer of power. He thought that Vice President Pence had the power to throw out electoral votes, just as the president demanded. In other messages, Denny claimed that President Trump wanted militias to descend on Washington, D.C., so they could serve as a security force against a perceived threat from Antifa and Black Lives Matter on January 6th. Additional messages between the two reveal their intent to march on the U.S. Capitol. For instance, Denny attempted to post two banners on Facebook that advertised events on January 6th. Both banners contained the hashtag Occupy Congress. The pictures contained images of the U.S. Capitol and referenced the Great Betrayal. One of them read, If they won't hear us, and They will fear us. In another post, Denny wrote, I can't wait to be in the middle of it on the front line on the 6th. Curiously, Denny had also heard a rumor that President Trump would march with them. On January 4, 2021, he stated in a Facebook message Things are going to be happening here. Trump is going to be speaking to everyone Wednesday, January 6th, before everyone marches to the Capitol. Rumor has it that he may march with us. I'll tell you more when you get here on where to be Wednesday and what time so you have the best seats. On or about January 6th, Denny sent another message via Facebook writing, Trump speaking to us around 11 a.m., then we march to the Capitol, and after that we have special plans that I can't say right now over Facebook. But keep an eye out for live feed tomorrow from me. Tomorrow will be historic. Later, on January 6th, during the attack, Hazard was captured on video bragging. We have stormed our nation's capital." The Patriot Boys of North Texas were not the only three-percenter group that mobilized after President Trump's tweet the Department of Justice has alleged that multiple other cadres of three-percenter militiamen prepared for violence on January 6th and then took part in the attack on the U.S. Capitol. In Florida, a three-percenter organization known as the Guardians of Freedom established a B-squad for January 6th because they allegedly wanted to avoid being called a militia. These men were led by Jeremy Liggett, mentioned above. On December 24, 2020, the B Squad sent out a flyer, calling all patriots to Washington, D.C. The flyer read The Guardians of Freedom 3% are responding to the call from President Donald J. Trump to assist in the security, protection, and support of the people as we all protest the fraudulent election and re-establish liberty for our nation. Join us and thousands of other patriots. The B-Squad claimed it was the right and duty of the people to alter or to abolish the government. Its members discussed bringing tactical gear to Washington, D.C. On December 30th, Liggett posted a meme to Facebook stating that 3% will show in record numbers in D.C., When the select committee asked about this post, Liggett downplayed its significance or disclaimed any knowledge about other three-percenter groups that might show in record numbers. However, on January 3, 2021, Liggett posted a safety video on Facebook in which he and others dressed in military gear. Liggett instructed listeners about self-defense and the tools they, like him, could bring to Washington, D.C., including an expandable metal baton, a walking cane, and a folding knife. He advised, All of you patriots going to Washington, D.C. to support Trump. And to keep up the fight. Several B-Squad members have been charged with civil disorder and disorderly and disruptive conduct, which took place while rioters nearby were assaulting officers in the tunnel area of the Capitol's Lower West Terrace on January 6th. In California, another group of men associated with the three-percenter movement quickly began plotting their next moves after President Trump's tweet. Alan Hostetter and Russell Taylor ran a nonprofit known as the American Phoenix Project, which protested COVID-19 lockdowns and the 2020 election results, while also promoting violence ahead of January 6th. Ahead of the joint session, Hostetter and Taylor organized a small group in an encrypted chat they named the California Patriots DC Brigade. On December 19th, Taylor linked to President Trump's Will Be Wild tweet and asked members of the chat, who is going? The same day, Hostetter posted a message to his Instagram account explaining he was traveling to Washington, D.C. on January 6th because President Trump, tweeted that all patriots should descend on Washington, D.C. And that day is the date of the joint session of Congress in which they will either accept or reject the fake, phony, stolen Electoral College votes. The next day, Taylor renamed the telegram chat as The California Patriots Answer the Call Jan 6. On December 29th, Taylor posted to that chat, I personally want to be on the front steps and be one of the first ones to breach the doors. Between December 19th and January 6th, Hostetter, Taylor, and their alleged co-conspirators exchanged messages about bringing weapons such as hatchets, bats, or large metal flashlights, as well as possibly firearms, with them to Washington, D.C. They were ready and willing to fight. In one message, Hostetter predicted that January 6th would be similar to the War of Independence because there will likely be 3% of us again that will commit fully to this battle, but just as in 1776, patriots will prevail. There are additional examples of how President Trump's Be Wild tweet led 3%ers to descend on the U.S. Capitol. One three percenter group issued an open letter on December 16, 2020, announcing that they stand ready and are standing by to answer the call from our president should the need arise that we the people are needed to take back our country from the pure evil that is conspiring to steal our country away from the American people. We will not act unless we are told to. In late December, after the president's tweet, the three percenters' original TTPO issued a letter to its members announcing that this organization will be answering that call. There is also additional evidence showing that militia groups like the Three Percenters coordinated with other groups both before and on January 6th. Josh Ellis, the owner of the My Militia website, testified that he used Zello, a walkie-talkie app, when he was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. The Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, other militia members, and regular patriots all used these Zello channels in the lead-up to January 6th and in response to President Trump's December 19th tweet. They used these channels to share intelligence. Chapter 6.9 QAnon Operation Occupy the Capitol Shortly after the January 6th attack, A video of a bearded man in a Q-shirt chasing U.S. Capitol Police Officer Ryan Goodman through the halls of the U.S. Capitol went viral. That man was Doug Jensen, a QAnon believer. After Jensen's arrest, FBI agents asked him why he traveled from Iowa to Washington, D.C. in the first place. Trump posted, Make sure you're there January 6th for the rally in Washington, D.C., Jensen responded. Jensen was not the only QAnon believer to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The letter Q and related slogans, such as, Where we go one, we go all, were ubiquitous among the rioters. They were visible on shirts, signs, and flags throughout the crowd. What was once a marginal digital movement had become a bricks and mortar force powerful enough to help obstruct a joint session of Congress. QAnon is a bizarre and dangerous cult that gained popularity in 2017 when a person known only as Q began posting on 4chan, an anonymous message board. The poster supposedly held a Q security clearance at the Department of Energy. QAnon adherents believe that President Trump is a messianic figure battling the forces of the deep state and a satanic pedophile ring operated by leading Democrats and the American elite. Q's first post in October 2017 predicted that former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton would be arrested in short order. Although that prophecy did not come to pass, the conspiracy theory evolved and grew over time, spreading across social media platforms and eventually finding a home in Aitkun, another anonymous message board known for trafficking in conspiracy theories and hate. President Trump was given multiple opportunities to disavow QAnon. Instead, he essentially endorsed its core tenets. During an August 19, 2020 press briefing, President Trump was asked what he thought about the QAnon belief that he was fighting a satanic cabal. I mean, you know, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there, he replied. During a town hall on NBC News two weeks prior to the election, President Trump first claimed he knew nothing about QAnon. But he then praised its believers for being very strongly against pedophilia. The president emphasized, And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree with that. In 2020, QAnon played a significant role in spreading various election conspiracy theories. After the election, QAnon accounts amplified the claim that Dominion Voting Systems software had altered votes. On November 19th, President Trump tweeted and retweeted a link to a segment on One America News Network, OAN, that was captioned, Dominionizing the vote. The segment claimed that Dominion had switched votes from President Trump to former Vice President Biden. OAN featured a supposed cyber expert, Ron Watkins, a key figure in the QAnon conspiracy movement. Watkins' father, Jim, owned the 8 Coon site that Q called home, and Ron helped oversee its message boards. After promoting the OAN segment, President Trump retweeted Ron Watkins' account on several other occasions. On December 15, 2020, President Trump retweeted a post in which Watkins spread false claims of foreign influence in the election. Then, on January 3rd, President Trump retweeted Ron Watkins' account four more times. QAnon's adherents were clearly paying attention to President Trump's words and tweets the president's Be Wild tweet was widely heard as a clarion call. Jim Watkins told the select committee that thousands and thousands of people probably agreed that the president's December 19th tweet was a call for them to come to Washington, D.C. Jim Watkins himself marched in Washington, D.C. on January 6th because of the president's call, but he has not been charged with any crime. Other QAnon adherents flocked to Washington, D.C. in response to the President's call to action. POTUS has requested your attendance, Washington, D.C., January 6, 2021. Thomas Munn, a QAnon believer, posted on Facebook. Munn added, Our President has only asked two things from us so far. Number one, vote. Number two, January 6, 2021. Jacob Chansley, better known as the QAnon Shaman, told the FBI that he traveled from Arizona because President Trump had requested that all patriots come to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. During the investigation, the select committee learned that the QAnon conspiracy theory often overlaps with other extremist beliefs. Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers testified to the select committee that he's not a Q-tard, and not a follower of Q at all. However, Rhodes cynically exploited QAnon for his own purposes. The Oathkeeper's website and text messages were littered with QAnon phrases. Nick Quested, a filmmaker who shadowed the Proud Boys, often heard QAnon themes in the Proud Boys' private discussions. As January 6th drew closer, Multiple posts on the QAnon-linked website 8 coon indicated that violence was imminent. You can go to Washington on Jan 6 and help storm the Capitol, one user wrote. This same user continued, As many patriots as can be, we will storm the government buildings, kill cops, kill security guards, kill federal employees and agents, and demand a recount. Other posts on 8KUN debated the politicians that users should target once they got inside the Capitol. A QAnon-inspired banner was also widely shared by groups planning events for January 5th and 6th. The top of the image read, Operation Occupy the Capitol. The central image showed the U.S. Capitol being torn in two. In the lower left corner, there appeared a QAnon phrase, Hashtag, We Are the Storm.
0: This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please feel free to share this podcast. And, of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.